You're listening to The Dude Grow Show, coming straight out of Denver, Colorado, bringing you marijuana grow knowledge, news, and culture. At the tone, the time will be 4.20. Exactly. What's going on? Jumping right in there. Quick, quick count. How you guys doing? It's Wednesday. In studio. Why am I the only one with my headphones on? I don't know. Why are you wearing your headphones, Scotty? (laughs) They're not doing anything. Video show today for you guys that are checking out the video, as well as we got to give away a couple of the Mountainside Bowls and uh, hooking up with t-shirts and, of course, a few stickers. And then also, uh, what do we have? There's there's the first second contest on that meme contest. And talk about what's going on in our grows. I think we're going to have one, if not two, guests. I no longer announce who will be on the show anymore because we haven't recorded it yet, technically. Oh, you so, don't like to predict the future, dude? Every time I do, there seems to be some connection issue or some bullshit. Really? Probably a couple, one or two top-notch guests. Dude, um, hell yeah, man. So well, I won't tease it any further or else we'll jinx it and totally jinx it. Uh, what's going on in our grows and uh, hanging out, man? What's what we got growing on? So, who's who's the executive producer, man? Who is this guy? What does his know. name mean? Do bro? you know OJ Metal? OJ Metal, man. I just saw it there. Did you put OJ Metal in there? I did not, man. <laughs> oh, man. Guru, we got the fa- <laughs> Phantom uh, 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 producers. Uh, OJ Metal. All right, man. I like it when that's already done, and then but we'll just we'll just I'm, give it. A- I'm gonna I'm have to learn about the good sir, the kind sir, Mister OJ Metal. I like that. Hell yeah! Um, it's two of my favorite things. Metal and OJ, like yeah, the juice man. and the music, or the yeah. metal, the the music or the metal, the music, man, the okay. music. Metallica's new hey, album's pretty good. I had this so. uh, kind of cool girl. She's about forty. And uh, she just cornered me a couple at a party last week, telling me about why I need to listen to more Iron Maiden. <laughs> I was like, cool. and why do you? Why do it's you? Just, just, just a whole story behind it. And uh, I like the artwork Iron Maiden had and their T-shirts and stuff. Right. You know. Right. It makes you look a little cray cray when you wear it. But. <laughs> it was so funny, man. She was talking about how Iron Maiden was her favorite band, and that. No, no, you don't get it, man. You don't get it. All right. <laughs> There's a historical. Uh, a value there, okay? <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, Good shit you talk about at parties, man. Let me get into a couple of quick supporters, guys. Spectrum King, if you don't know, uh, <laughs> well overdue, man. I'm well overdue, but it's I got to get a video here. I'm not a month into flowering yet, but I'm going to get a cool video, man. These 600 are kicking ass, dude. The, the, the only problem still is having to run a heater in the damn room, which I don't like, but it's like better, I guess, than... You know, it's more it's it, more simple. It's simpler or yeah, more simple. More simplest. One? It's more simplest than having to worry about an AC. I mean, the heater's pretty straightforward. They're not that expensive. They they have run some amperage, but I, I probably more expensive to heat or less expensive to heat a grow room than to cool a grow room. I don't know. You think so? I mean, they're both running amperage. I mean, at the end result, it's what's, what what it's pulling out of the wall, and a fucking heater pulls a lot of amps. Yeah, but man. there's no like freon. There's no. It's a lot less expensive than my mini split. This little. 
$60 box Yeah, here. because it doesn't take high tech to be able to heat, a, you know, run run a, a electricity through a heating element and create heat. That shit's been it's as low tech as you can get. Air, running an air conditioner and, and running a compressor is high tech, but <laughs> yeah. it's very similar amounts of power, I would think, man. I think maybe Yeah, the, heat the heater is like worse. probably 9.5 amps or something. It's probably even the same or more on the yeah, amperage think side. About yeah, think about it. I bet True. you're I bet your AC ain't running 10 amps constantly. And then I always ask when people are doing that, so are you running a heater? Do you have enough room to throw up an extra light? Because I'm running a heater with the lights on, too. So then you always look at, oh, man, if you got more real estate, you might as well just run another light instead of a heater. Right. But I don't have any more grow real estate in there. And it has to run at night. Ridic- I mean, either way, a little hey, bit. you don't need more real estate to add an extra light, homie, okay? What do you mean? What do you mean? Square footage, grow space? Yeah, you, you just add more intensity. And just, That's yes. the double-double, man. No, I'm good on the intensity. Yeah, man. You got to... Uh, oh, actually, Guru and I were looking at, at um, that different spectrums a couple days ago. First off, you're shouting out the spectrum. Team. Yeah, and that was... I was, you know, I was to end it officially... Uh, coupon code dude sk over there if you guys are picking up any of the spectrum king lighting orders 900 and over check it out and uh, check out man the closet case has gotten a lot of good reviews I need to get my hands on one of those i want to grow out one plant in a one gallon or closet you know just a fun little there was an old uh uh experiment that reminds me of before i let you go is uh it was when i worked at the store all these cats were coming in this one guy be like up oh, contest is up again man we're doing the contest i'm like what the hell is the contest and they use like the uh it's like a yogurt cup size. Sure. Like pretty small. Like it's right. literally like maybe a cup and whoever can get the most weight out of that. Are we talking like a solo cup challenge? It, I, I think they even cool. go a little like bit that. smaller than the solo cup. I, I think the rules might be, you know, that you've got to keep the roots contained in the container. Otherwise, you can get pretty creative with it, like coming off say, in an NFT or sol- something. Solo cup hempy and see what happens. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, that would work. I don't know how we got there, but uh, interesting anyway, competition. Uh, Spectrum King, man, we were learning a little bit more about Spectrum this week, and dude, that when you look at their at the at the Spectrum that they have at their what do they call those? A spectral chart? Is that what it's called? The SPD, a spectrograph? The spectral distribution chart? Yeah, man, I tell you, it's right. I mean, it's full. I mean, there's no mystery about why those lights work, man. They, oh no, not at yeah, all. Yeah, they work because they almost emulate the sun. You know, it's, it's it's pretty close. That's the inspiration. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, we're learning all about that stuff. The McCree curve and all that. Man. McCree curve. Yeah. Now I see spectra, you know, spectral charts and go, God damn, that's sexy, man. Look at that. Look at them chlorophyll A and B peaks, man. Mm, looking good. And since we're in studio, last but not least, way to grow, guys. They got seven stores out here in Colorado kicking ass. Uh, great service. Everything is on sale in every store right now for the whole month of December. They're trying to give back, if you will. It's a great time. I was asking somebody down on the sales floor today. I'm like, so what's like, what's the best deal right now? And he's, all I can tell you, man, is it's a good time to stock up. So I was like, okay, I got you. It's like so hot in some of the deals. I guess it's unspoken. I guess you, you go to the, the register, register, man. You, you know, start. And they do you right, man. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I know a lot of a lot of stuff, especially some of the staples, um, some of the soils, the ocean forest, and other things are a hot deal. So check it out. If you get over there, use Dude Grow's account. Show a little love right at the register. Say you want to use Dude Grow's account. No worries there. And uh, tell him you said hello. What's up? Yeah, man. Way to grow dot net. All right, man. Before we got fully into um, what's growing on and stuff, because we're going to get some of our potential interviews lined up here. I came in the, up in the studio, Scotty, today, and it was like I was curious on getting that 
Google Assistant on my Android phone. Oh, I got that, yeah. And then I started, well, you got the, the Pixel phone or whatever it is. Or, sure. Uh, so I don't think I can get it yet. I didn't see him full on without doing some. It took me to article, this is how you can do it. But that's right. like if I'm like a software dude or some shit. Uh, but, and then Guru is talking, dude, I'm, I'm getting that. I'm getting an assistant. I got this assistant on my new phone and I'm getting the, what the are you getting home. for the Chris? Google the Google home. home. The Google home, man. I also bought one of those smart light bulbs that like the full color range LED and so you can make Go- it white and do everything with it. I'm trying yeah. to understand, right? Like, so okay, Google set my light to 30%. See, you know, why the fuck you need to do that, man? And they already have switches for that. So Brother, you don't have to get up. Let me tell you, my wife has seen the commercials. She turns to me just cause commercials work. She wants she the goes, Amazon's the main competitor here, right? Google's uh, fucking listening to me right now. It's Damn coming it. out of your pocket, bro. We're saying Google too much, man. Holy shit. That's creepy as hell. That's what I was going to say. That motherfucker was listening the whole time we were talking. Like, that ain't creepy. I went to a marketing seminar where the guy was just, like, talking about Facebook ads. And he's like, fuck Facebook, man. You think everybody says Facebook knows everything? Google knows everything, man. <laughs> Literally They know everything. everything. They know you're pregnant seven days before you tell your – they know you're pregnant before you know you're pregnant. Dude, I got the most direct <laughs> advertising yesterday. I was actually at – I was taking in uh, – uh, an old uh, rifle of my grandpa's to get repaired, see if it get, get repaired. On weed? Nope. I was not on weed, and that rifle is also officially stored off-premises from anywhere I'd be growing cannabis. On with the story. And <laughs> it was basically... Uh, I, went, I haven't been in a gun shop in a while, man. Right. And this is not only a gun shop. It's a gun shop in the same building as the Polaris... Uh, Indian motorcycle dealers. They got it all in one. You can buy a bike, ATV, and a couple assault rifles. They need a dispensary in there. Even if yeah. they just say, you know how they have the financing window? If they had the dispensary window in there, that'd be cool. So I was up in there, and I was like, damn, man, this just, to me, looks like where if you're in, like, the Marines and the Army and shit, you go to get your weapons with the shit on the wall these days. Oh, my God. Some of the way it's they're just decked out with all the folding stocks, full and assault look. This one shotgun painted desert camo that shoots three shells at once. Hey, I'm going to tell you Insano. something, man. Ever yeah. since I was a little fucking kid getting fake guns, man, guns are cool. You know? They are really neat, man. They're neat pieces of machinery. They're well-made. Um, and, they're, you know, when you shoot them, there's a big powerful bang at the end man there's a payoff and i mean they they are neat machines man yes. so don't be surprised that it's exploited as that you know yeah. or, dude you know these are like for big kids when you go into a gun store man you you're a big kid you know yeah no i i, I hear you for sure but the, and the reason why i said back to my point the most direct advertising i've had from google um, which isn't a surprise you know i had Looked up there. There was some uh, long-term food storage kits and shit there. I'm like, Jim hmm. Baker's long-term food storage uh, kits? I think it was called Wise Food Brand or whatever. But they're like in the buckets. Jim Baker's are also furniture, okay. which is, uh, you know, it's kind of an upside. <laughs> there was, uh, that's where I just decided to not comment and move on. <laughs> so there was, uh, so I was like Googling the company. Maybe there's some reviews. And I really wasn't, was just, well, not trying to find out this, how long they last. Like, right. I said, like, okay, 25 years. Cool. Go back home. That was all on my phone. Of course, I'm logged into my Google account on my phone. And as soon as I, I'm sitting down to watch a YouTube video of somebody, and the first ad is just, for Wise Foods on the sure. YouTube video. And I was like, for a minute, it tripped me out because I did not, I forgot that I Googled at the gun store. Right. And I'm like, oh my God, dude. It just, I, it just Following knows, you, man. man. It just knows where I was. Like it dropped a pin. There, Yeah, there you go. Same thing. Like geotags for marketing. They're yeah. still getting way too deep, man. That's where I'm talking about this Google Assistant. That's what I mean. You buy something that's called Google Assistant. It's Who just the a fuck mic that sits in your, your house, assistant? right? If I'm right, it's a mic that sits in your house yeah. and listens to everything. 
That's awesome. My, now it's a good idea. No, no that sounds fucking great, It only great, listens man. when you say, okay, Google. Oh, it yeah, only mostly really? listens to everything. Yeah, that's okay. why Scott's pocket's talking to him yeah, right now. Yeah, my pocket just fucking woke up because we started saying interesting shit. But then I man. guess you're supposed to go to, well, as long as you're not up to anything crazy and incriminating, what does it matter if we are listening all the freaking time? That's what a fucking Russian would say, all right, man? That's a commie right there. No, I'm just kidding. It's too much, man. It's too much. <laughs> and why do you need to dim your bulb 30% anyway, dude? I don't get it without, you know. I don't know if I want it dimmed. Whatever. On or off. Keep this world a little bit more simple. Or you can leave the house and like if you forget to turn off all your lights, if you have smart oh, lights I can't the wait whole house, pe- you hit the power button and it'll shut I just off. Don't I can't like wait you. till people hack into these and all the practical jokes. Like, why is my garage door keep going up and down? The lights are going on yeah. and off. That is a good idea. I'm gonna Jesus, work on who ordered all these dildos from Amazon? What the yeah. hell is going on? Man, anyway. Dude, if there's anything we've proved, man, it's that everybody's not looking out for our best interests. You know, you can't just blindly trust the the government or Big Brother, whatever you want to say. And, man, that's kind of what you do when you just give your whole life over to Google, man. And I'm just – we'll move on with the show, but a friendly reminder, like, it is good – just to, and I don't even do it enough because the damn signal's starting to be everywhere. You know, we can go try and go snowboarding tomorrow. But I'm like, shit, I better make sure I got my app updated. You know, my app that tells me my speed and my runs. Yeah, I see. You're, better you're make falling. sure I got service. I better bring my backup battery pack. You know what? I better, I should just fucking disconnect. Hey, you can't go snowboard and not listen to Pandora or something. Oh, well, uh, it is you know, nice. Snowboarding with music is nice. I will say that. Be careful. You got to be pretty good with that if you're doing that. Make sure you know what you, you know, plenty of times it's good to hear that. Look out! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, just try and disconnect a little sometimes, people, for God's sakes. It's become, I mean, it's the biggest example I could give. It used to be, you know, if the, the electricity went out tomorrow, we had a major grid failure for months on end. Right. Everything's going to shit to a degree. We'll figure it out probably, but they were so reliant. Dude. In the same sense, what if you didn't lose electricity, but all of a sudden there's no internet? For three months, we rely on. We're starting to rely on internet just as much. You've as seen like, that South Park, right? It's I don't know. I, I see it when the internet goes out and they're all refugees looking for the internet, right? <laughs> in two thousand and four, man, we had three major hurricanes in South Florida, and the power was out for about ten days, maybe fourteen days in some areas. Uh-huh. People were just bored, man. It was very strange. They had nothing to do. If you're an insurance agent, you know, if you're a plumber or something like that, or if you're a uh, you know, I don't know, a tree trimmer, whatever. You know, that's, that's an easy one. You know, okay, with me and my, with my bamboo farm, I had all sorts of equipment. We were out there with chainsaws cutting shit down. We had shit to do. Statistically, the most dangerous time to be operating a chainsaw, by the way, too, sure. is after a hurricane. Because all the freaking power, power lines, lines and hot spots and fences that are electrified for Absolutely. like a thousand feet from some line you can't even see. The chainsaw point is, the, guy, the guys that were insurance agents or, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm not dissing anybody. I'm just saying the guys that went to offices that couldn't go to offices they were bored stiff and they really didn't have any kind of skill sets they hadn't developed any kind of skill sets you know what i mean they were office guys man so they were standing in line for bags of ice and shit like that all of a sudden i understood why when there's nothing going on you stand in bread lines you know gotcha yeah it's kind of weird and then you got the opposite where you got the guy in montana then his cabin and you know he's still you know i'm not saying like you uh, Ted Lewinsky style or whatever. Like, let's Monica, he's got a, oh, dude, I heard he gives good blowjobs. What's his, Ted Lewin? No. What's his name? <laughs> Ted Kaczynski? Ted Kaczynski. Okay, man. yeah. Ted Kaczynski. I hybrid those two together. There you go. 
anyway, you know, some people live in in their view the good life and have a you know hunt and you know a bunch of sh- equipment, whatever front r- range in it. I forgot what it's called. I don't know, but, but don't anyway, know. they don't even they don't fucking wouldn't even know the internet or the power <laughs> like, went out. What's the internet? I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. I agree the the convenience of uh, of things. Damn, it's starting to. And if you have kids, you see it more than that. Shit's starting to get out of control. I caught my kid. We'll end it on this. Go downstairs and vacuum, dude. You gotta vacuum the downstairs. Mom's saying the same shit. Go vacuum for God's sake. Just vacuumed on Zelda. He was in his room reading a book, actually, and he's like, I wanna finish this. We're like, look, dude, if you don't, he's at the age where if you don't do shit now, you don't remember shit. Right. So we told you now, do it now. Go down there, and my wife's like, doesn't really sound all i hear is the vacuum running ah. you know you can't hear the like it's work like working back and forth i go down there and he's just standing by the vacuum looking at his phone doing some sh- freaking app game i don't even i didn't even care and uh this is ridiculous anyway can't I, be too mad at him he was reading ah. yeah and i gave him the phone but let's uh i taught my kid that pretty fucking pleased with sugar on top and a cherry <laughs> you know what i mean it's like that's as nice as it's gonna get all right should we hook up the uh, the meme, memes meme contest? We yeah, got I think that we got up, a minute brother? for that before we got to uh, go try and get one of our guests on the line here. Deal. Uh, let's see. We got out the like I said, mountainside. I got these bowls in front. I don't know if you guys want to get this shit on the camera. What camera isolates? Yeah. But some sweet, durable, durable bowls. They are hard, man. God, I got to get one of these, dude. I mean, yeah, these are awesome, man. And you know, I mean, do you know you how much you sell bowl? for? Or how much he sells these for? I don't, man. I really don't. Well, these bowls are worth $1,000 each. <laughs> Give them away with a couple T-shirts, uh, a couple cool stickers. Ship them out to you. And we have first place uh, and second. Okay. Godfather Ooh. Kush, 505, eh? Eh? Yeah, he had two memes, huh? Let's see what he's got, man. Let's see what he's got. Where's the 505? I should Let's know. Here, I'll just, I thought I'll we just said look, New Mexico. Man. The look when you get when you don't bring a mountainside. <laughs> That's pretty good. That guy, oh, nice. That guy is an amazing actor, man. Does you know? Jeff Bridges know? No, no. Jeff Bridges is the, or, dude, no, the dude, man. But Walter is, uh, geez, I mean, he's the, the guy from, uh, what the hell is it? John Goodman. But I'm thinking like, go. he was like an actor. Like when I think of, uh, like, I'm trying to think like Jack Nicholson. I kind of think of him as the same guy in all his roles, you know? When I think of somebody like Walter, I mean, he was the fucking. <laughs> We're dad. talking about Walter from the from from the, from the uh, yeah B- from Big the, the Big Lebowski. But you know, it's uh, John Goodman. He was um, the dad in Roseanne. Remember? Oh yeah, dude, barely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a different guy than Walter. That's what you call an actor, man. Which guy would you rather go into war with? I think that's probably an obvious one. Oh, no, I don't know. Walter yeah, I don't know. Walter like might kook, take man. you into like. Walter is all talk, you no kill. action, man. Anyway, uh, Godfather Kush out of the, uh, I believe, the north, what is the that? north no, uh, western area of New Mexico. Ooh, look at you, he man. He actually had the top two memes this week. Nice, oh, really? man. Nice. Is this his other ah, meme? This is his other one. Nice, man. Bunny Lebowski right there. Um, I'll suck your I'll pipe. I'll suck your pipe if it's a mountainside. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you win, man. Now, if you want to check awesome. these out, guys, dudegrows.com. Over there, you can go look at the memes, put your own memes up, get in Very on the funny, next contest. Man. And we're playing around. I know some guys, Some we were playing around with the new site and the way it, uh, the memes are formatted. Please give us your feedback because it's all uh, uh, adjustable, we'll say. So let's figure out the right way to do it. All right, second place. Okay, are you gonna, I'm going to let you announce this guy's name. <laughs> John uh, that's Jonathan... What is it? It's John Nathan Doman. 
right. John Nathan, John Nathan Dolman. Am I am I missing something in that? I don't know. I just like saying it. It feels right. good to say. Second hey, voice. John Nathan Dolman. <laughs> good to see ya. Looks, Looks like somebody dropped their mountainside piece, big crater in the concrete. <laughs> sweet. So I'm calling a concrete buster. Love Hell it, yeah, man. guys. Let us know where to send these out to dudegrows at Gmail. <laughs> For now, we'll get them out um, straight to you, man. And uh, appreciate you guys getting your memes up. We don't have another meme contest as of yet. We're taking an intermission for a moment. But we'll be back shortly with another way to get you guys some dank gear. I did uh, find this cool product, though. Man, one of my buddies, I'm sorry, man, I'm spacing on the name. But uh, he sent me, he's been talking to me about bamboo. And he's like, yeah, I got this idea to make these bamboo rolling tips, man. Or bamboo, you know, know, I I call it a crutch that you put in your joint. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you know that one kind of bamboo? You know, you take it and it's a perfect size to make the perfect tip out of. And I used to enjoy really smoking out of bamboo. I would make these fresh green bamboo pipes and it fucking just a really nice, (laughs) like, humid hit. It's nice. I like it. Check it out. The original bamboo rolling tip.com. Yeah, he sent me a box with all different sizes and whatnot. So, you know what? Fuck it, man. I'm going to throw these in the Nug Vault. And uh, let everybody enjoy them, man. The, really, I wonder who really took cool BambooRollingTip.com. That's a pretty long .com there. The original BambooRollingTip.com. Yeah, man. Word? Cool. Yeah, Well, uh, let's take a break, guys. We're going to go see what we can, uh, who we can get on the line here and try and catch an interview for you all. For you all. Yeah, that's English. Together. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back. Check out everything at DudeGrows.com. And step it up, man. Become a member. Help support the cause here. Get your 30% off recharge as well as, uh, and it's all through PayPal, straightforward shit, no, you know, not, nothing shady going on here, and appreciate the support. Don't forget, pick up your recharge as well. Yeah. Realgrowers.com, Amazon, 99.9% of the time in prime. <laughs> Look at that, rhyme that, 99.9% of the time in prime. I was going to try and think of something else to tag on there and keep rhyming, but I'm not right a rapper. Right on time. Right on time. But yeah, time, you can't man. use time twice, though. Just using the same word back uh, to back. Yeah. It's not yeah. very creative. That's not a good rapper right there, man. Anyway, we'll be back, guys. Dudegrows.com. <laughs> Inspiration. Recharge is a great innovation. Use it on your plants daily and nightly. Immediate results are more than likely. Put it on your crop. Watch it grow. Buds so healthy, they almost glow. Vigorous growth rates, a yield so ample. More THC than you can handle. Enhance your soil's nutrition. Recharge is like a weed physician. Helping your crop stay fertilized. Making great plants for great herbal highs. Plus it's organic. Unlike those sprays, you gotta get Recharge. Order today. If there is a problem, Recharge will solve it. Your crop is stale. Let Recharge evolve it. Internets and everything worked out dandy with the technologies. We got a, a hot interview with who? Who? David Montgomery, the hidden half of nature. Yeah, so enjoy. We got about a half hour interview coming up here, guys, shortly. Just wanted to fill you in. I tried to sound smart and not too stoned. <laughs> and uh, it was a yeah, it was a good hangout. So a bunch of different information from microbes to to what? You got to do what? What was the other side of it? Like Mike microbes. It sounds like a porn star, man. Mike Robes. <laughs> okay. It does. It does a little bit. 
Uh, yeah, no, we're just talking about, I don't know, man, just the difference between, you know, traditional, you know, what they're doing now in agriculture and uh, microbes, what, yeah. what you can do with microbes. And I'm so, hoping it changes. We're ripping ourselves off, man. We're micronutrient deficient around here. That is coming up. In the meantime... Boy, I made it relate to weed. Don't worry. I did want to cover a post up over on DudeGrows.com. If you guys want to get some up there, get your questions over on DudeGrows.com. Yes, sir. Um, we're going to be changing a few of the categories. But if you get a post up there, we are catching everything. So this one's kind of... This is from Ralphie. How do you know you're catching everything? I don't. I don't. I just... <laughs> it says, how to store for a long time. Um, I dig this, man. This is kind of intuitive here. So Dude and Scotty... Guru. Something tells me, what, intuitive? I think so. <laughs> Just keep rolling. Thanks in part to the DGC. That is why I'm a member. Thank you, Sir Ralphie. I am a success at this. I can grow with my legally allowed six plants more than I and my life partner can smoke. I have extra. We use it to cook with, and I like that too. We've eliminated the need to go to a dispensary at all. This extra cannabis is not getting smoked. We have decided to shut down uh, the grow for a while. We don't need it for now. I have some big, bad bubba in process. When it's done, big, bad bubba, we will, we will stop growing for a while. I have about a pound and a half of stash right now, with more stash likely after the bubba harvest, which is still you know four months away. How do I store this for a long time? Freezer, lightproof containers. How long can I realistically store this stash before it starts going bad? This is a pic of how I'm storing it now. Airtight, lightproof containers, put it in a closet. As always, peace, Ralphie. What about yeah. Well, congratulations, Ralphie. That is so awesome that you are able to grow uh, your own stash enough to where you don't even need to grow for a little bit. Dude, I was in the same situation. Like, I started making the canna, uh, canna oil, which I'm starting to have success with with the, with dosages and dosing and stuff. Yeah, you seem uh, kind of normal today. But uh, then, uh, you know, it's like, shit, man, I get... I'm starting to get a little too much stash down here. You know, I'm growing enough for me and my friends. and But I can't shut down my garden. Like, I mean, that's part of That's really yeah, part of the dude, this. dude, man. This, and it's part of the show. I always want to be able to say, yeah, I used that. Yeah, I did this. I tried this, you know. But regardless, um, that is cool, man, that you'll be able to do all that. As far as storage on flour. Now, he's got airtight containers here. People use, I prefer big-ass glass jars, probably, if I'm storing for a long time. There right. is, though, but they get... I take that back. So light, well, let's talk about what degrades THC. Light and heat degrade THC. Yes. You know what I mean? So keep it in a cool, dark place. If you got a cellar or something like that, you know, uh, 60 degrees, I would think, in the dark. Um, you can store that for a long time. I smoked weed from the 70s in the 80s. <laughs> I tasted pretty good. Oh, you know, Maestro's like, the first one to comment on here. Isn't he the one that had the three-year cure? Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, and I tasted that weed. That weed tasted great. Or that cannabis. So sorry. And that cannabis tasted awesome. You know, it had just the perfect, I don't know, I just lo I, I love that. What was that weed called again, man? I can't remember. It's, so he had some special name for it. Yeah, I don't know. I was getting my, going into Maestro a little bit here, and mm -hmm. he was talking about some strains will store longer than others. You know, it all comes down to the cannabinoid terpene, et cetera, profile, um, as well as, you know, the storing temperatures. Um, let's see here. Let's get into it for a sec. It goes terpenes and organic solvents, and they are responsible for breaking down cannabinoids. I just got to say something. Yes. Like you can't judge a book by its cover. Maestro is the one that that should, if you've ever tried to judge somebody before getting to know them, because if you looked at Maestro, you would have no <laughs> idea he was this fucking smart, man. The, the guy's in like a white T-shirt and, you know, nothing fancy about him. 
Except for his vocabulary, man. <laughs> God damn. Respect, brother. Heat and light are the enemy of resin. Moisture is also the devil. Short periods of time, a month or two, allow for small amounts of moisture to be left in the bud without much issue. Five to ten percent, he's saying. Long periods of time call for just above freezing temperatures to slow down the chemistry and have a very low moisture content, less than five percent. The only way to know if your bud can store is to put it in perfect conditions and find out by waiting a long time. Bam. <laughs> Bam right there. And that's the guy that uh, cured his weed for three years, man. So If you're, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure on this, but obviously I don't know how. He's saying just about freezing. You want to go colder. I've heard of people storing it straight up in the freezer. I mean, there's people. I, my, my Myself, I've stored shit up to a couple years. Right. And you get that freezer burn, though, that kind of once it freezes. Then yeah, I'm not condoning any, it. I've never done it. I just heard about it. Because any moisture you got when you freeze something that, you know, it gets, uh, you know, it expands. It gets bigger. Yeah. It can rupture. Um, I did put some uh, one time after I harvested, I had mites and there were some spider mites on one part of one plant that were like, you know, you could cut it off and I could still see that some put of them, them were on there. Nitrogen. I put the fresh bud in the freezer. But just long enough, like to where I thought it would kill the mites. But uh, that bud, it was still smokable, fine. But right. it, it looked way different in color than the other I'm ones. Sure. And uh, I don't recommend that. But um, I've, done, I've done all sorts of weird things. One time, I put a bud in a jar with tons of CO two in it, and that turned it red and disgusting. <laughs> I would say if you can store below, it's not necessary. But if you're looking for long term storage, I, I would try to be storing below sixty. Um, I don't know if the refrigerator might be a good option, actually. I haven't looked into that. But I have an area that stays no matter what time of the year. It's, it ranges between, actually, it was 48 the other day because it was so cold out. Right. But it can go up to, like, 65. But that's it. And that's where I have my storage, and it works out well Yeah, that sounds nice. Hey, I went to that seed storage lab. CSU, Colorado State University, has, like, I don't know. like. Well, they're freezing everything, right? And that's seeds, though. Yeah, they, no, they had clones, too. And they were taking these clones. They would seal them in a fucking Ziploc bag, like one of those, you know, uh, cryo seal bags or whatever. Uh-huh. And then they would put them just in the refrigerator, you know, so they'd be like heavily refrigerated but not frozen. Oh, and, because from like a leaf petiole cut, they can make a million different, um, oh, the Meristems or something like that? Yeah, yeah the um, uh, tissue culture. Tissue culture. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know why I blanked on that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So I don't know. It's just kind of interesting that they, but they stored theirs. Uh, they had some like the seeds they would store in liquid nitrogen, but the living plant material they would store very close to freezing, like as close to freezing as they could. Yeah, and, and just, just slowed it down. It's be careful. Suspended animation. Yeah. Well, they were saying liquid nitrogen. It just stops. They said no. Sometimes, like when you're at, at freezing or whatever, the molecules are moving a little bit. They, you get down to that liquid nitrogen, and it goes. It just stops them, man. Well. Uh, Long Bottom Leaf and Colorado Sherlock chimed in as well. Also, thanks, guys. Long Bottom Leaf was talking about the Bevita packs. You guys should go over to DudeGrows.com and check out the comments on this post. And I will tell you uh, also that if you know it's good, like, I mean, and you're like, okay, look, I know it's not going to matter if I open that container tomorrow, next month, or for a year. Like, if you know your 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 cannabis is to that point of, I guess, dryness but not totally dry, okay. that's better. Like, if you have, obviously, a big container – uh, it's nice to get what you need off of it instead of sometimes I get in the bad habit of like, oh, let me go get a bowl of this weed out of this container of a, of a QP. Right. You want to try and keep those containers closed so you're not chain drying So you don't out. want to exchange the air? I mean, because when you're... You don't need to. No, not that you don't if need to. If but... it's cured up and good to go. 
Yeah, but when you're curing, you're usually exchanging. Yeah, air. I mean for a cure a little bit. Yeah, the burp, maybe a burp. You know, I'm ta- after I do the. Okay, I've, I've get to the burp once a week, or maybe it's like, man, I haven't burped this jar in like two weeks. I'll check it out. Uh-huh. But then after that, I'm done. You don't need for me. I don't need to. Have right. you noticed that dispensary weed is almost always overdried? They're on a time frame, man. I know I, they have to be. I tell you right now, you're gonna see a whole know. bunch of dry shit at the dispensaries after this past, like the past two to three weeks in Colorado, have been the driest it's ever been for since summer. Like, wait, wait, this... wait. What does dry mean anymore? Now you're changing the word. It used to mean that you can't get weed. It's dry out here. Ten percent humidity. So now the we're talking about humidity. The dispensaries that don't have, like you said, we remember we saw the curing room at Arc Green Solutions right. it was full on climate controlled, mm-hmm. mini split dehumidifier, humidifier. They could do whatever yep. they want in there. Not everybody's doing that. They're just putting it out in their drying room. I've seen, I've gone through a place where they have the damn lines hung up in the same room that they got the grow, you know, and they got the, <laughs> the shit drying. I'm like, shit, man, these are the right conditions for drying. But when they're trying to reach market, like... It's the right conditions for buying. That's homie. why not all dispensaries, man, I don't want to talk shit about all of them, but you can definitely run into those guys that just got the crispy, you're like, I don't even need a grinder, man. This just breaks off into some dust for my right, Jay. Right, but, And that's, that's too quick. But, I mean, it'll still get you high. Yeah. <laughs> So, good question, man. Glad hey, you brought that get me high? up, Ralphie, and congrats on your success. Um, that's always good to hear. And let us know how long how long you store it, man. Temperature, for me, is uh, going to be sometimes the biggest challenge, depending on, on where you live. Having a room that always stays that cool, if you don't have, like, a crawl space or something like that, can be challenging. Somebody look into storing it in the fridge for me, man. Maybe that might be the angle versus the freezer. I don't know. Anyway. I, I, I'm with Maestro. What Jay Maestro said, okay? Okay. No, that was, it was pretty intelligent about lowering the uh, amount of moisture if you're going to store it long term. Yeah. You know, so I, I would think that that would make the most amount of sense to me, man. All right. What else you got going on, man? You've been up to hey, I got something interesting, things. man. Yes. I seen uh, Jay and Silent Bob get old yesterday. They came to town. Oh, the wife. original cats, huh? Because when you yeah. told me that, I was like, is it really? So Kevin Smith and. Kevin Smith. Dude, it was the weirdest thing where at the end of it, I was like, this is almost as weird as like an independent movie. You know, but Do you know I the other it. guy's name? Uh, Jason Silent. Muse. Okay. Jason Muse. Uh, Silent Bob. How is... old is he now? Uh, they're, they're they're my both, age. They're both man. like forty. He's, he's like a year older well, than you're me. Not 40, okay, no yeah, worries. he's a year older than me. He's forty six. Okay, there okay. I said it, man. I'm coming to terms <laughs> with it. And um, but it was just interesting because first off, it was a podcast. I went there and I looked and I go, "This is a podcast." There's two mics up there and there's chairs up there, and so they just get on stage and they start hanging out and talking. And I guess the whole thing is recorded. Uh, they do it a weekly and, but it was described as a weekly intervention podcast, which I didn't know what that meant. Um, turns out that Jay, you know, uh, Jason Muse got all fucked up on heroin, man. So he was like, they said people magazine called him at one point in time, called uh, silent Bob and goes, Hey man, we need a, a quote for you about your buddy Jay being dead. And he's like, fuck, man. And then he gets hangs up the phone, and then the next the phone rings again, and it's Jay. And he goes, <laughs> and they're like, dude, people think you're dead. He goes, I know, man. It's crazy. So they decided that he was just going to stop. Yeah, he decided he was going to stop, and they had an intervention for him. Uh-huh. And then, like, every week they check back with him. And they just go, it was so fucking funny, I guess, that they made it into a podcast, you his, know? His, and, his weekly checkups. Yeah, and good. it's weird because Silent Bob is... 
he smokes weed like we smoke weed, you know, yeah. like all day long, man. He was actually telling a story. And, and so, like, the guy is super stoned is doing an intervention on your buddy. But it was really cool because he was just like, hey, look, dude, we're, you know, we're in Colorado. I love this. I been, went to a dispensary today. It was fucking great. He's talking about the legally binding staple. You know what I mean? Where he's like told him he stapled his weed when he went out of the dispensary. And he was like, dude, listen, you can't open this until you get to your hotel. And, you know, he's like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? He's like, dude, you can't. This is a legally binding staple, man. (laughs) And then like they started complaining. He's like, well, that's fucked up. That's so stupid. And he goes, look, we're still living the dream okay man like you still go to a store like but it was just really interesting and like so silent bob's uh like what he was saying his whole mantra was look dude do what you want to do smoke what you want take what you want but handle your shit handle your buzz you know if you're uh if you can't Silent Bob was saying that yeah if you can't handle your shit then it's time to check yourself you know and for jay he couldn't handle his shit you know but it was a really interesting Mindset. It was a pretty progressive mindset, and I, I enjoyed it, man. I appreciate that. Sounds like Jay and Steve-O might get along a little bit. That's like he got to the point where he, you know, from Jackass, he could not handle his yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Could you imagine being Jay from Jay and Silent Bob? He would, even Silent Bob, they went to the dispensary. Jay and Silent Bob showed up at the dispensary. That's awesome. And people were just like, oh, uh, you guys are real? Does he still have long hair? <laughs> Yeah, they look exactly alike. Jay man. still has his long hair kicking. Yeah, and Silent Bob still wears a fucking uh, hockey jersey with a turned around baseball cap. And it's just kind of funny because, like, I guess they are real, you know? And you're not that I guess, but it's a character, but they are themselves. So. Yeah, if you don't know, uh, depending, you know, not everybody knows all the movies, but I guess the most iconic movie would have been Clerks. That Kevin, yeah. And then Kevin Smith, I believe, wrote that. That's like Dude, his. It was cool, man. I was talking, he was just telling a story on his podcast about how he wrote it. And, uh,. Uh, yeah, it was really cool, man. Interesting, he, he, you saw that because if you remember last show, I was talking about how I heard I heard Kevin Smith on the Joe Rogan show, and he's saying if it wasn't for the McKenzie brothers, he wouldn't have had the characters Jay and Silent Bob for Clerks. That's he based funny. that on Strange Strange Brew, yeah, as, as inspiration. And he was talking about another movie. One of my favorite movies is called Slacker. It's not called Slackers. It's called Slacker. It's a 1991 Richard Linkletter movie. It's just weird. It's just a bunch of like skits and funny characters and mm-hmm. weirdness and stuff like that. He said he saw that movie and goes, dude, if that's a movie, then I can make one. Then I'm going to make Sounds a movie. like a movie like Eight Rooms or Nine well, he, Rooms It was or just whatever. a cool characters and just funny people to make you laugh and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So he goes, hey, if that's a movie, then I can do a movie. That guy Jay could be in my movie. And this guy, you know, and he went up and made Clerks. And it was... I don't know. It was pretty inspirational. And I don't cool. know. I just, you know, you see somebody that did something like the, the guy that inspired him was nobody special. He was just, he goes, dude, I always thought that uh, his buddy that worked at the convenience store with him goes, I want to be a film producer. And they go, uh, you can't do that. That's like Steven Spielberg. You got to be like born into that shit. And he goes, no, no, Steven Spielberg wasn't born into it. He just decided he wanted to be one. Yeah. He snuck on little lots. He gave a shit about it and he did it. And it makes you think that anything you want to do in this world, anything you want to be in this world, all you got, hey, I wanted to fucking make my mark in the cannabis industry. I didn't want to open a dispensary. I love teaching people things. So what do I do? I get on the mic three times a week and open my mouth and talk about shit. And I am living the dream, man. I I absolutely love it, man. So his message was pretty inspirational. You know, if you want to do something, go fucking do it. You want to be somebody, be it. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing to prevent that is uh, having the state of mind of, oh, you know, you just go to the zone of, 
I can't do that. I gotta or, fucking I mean, be at work at seven in the morning tomorrow. How the fuck am I gonna do that? You know, and no, I, I hear you. Yes. A lot of the, the people that are pretty successful just you keep having that attitude. It's, it's about attitude. I won't say more than anything, but fake pretty, it till you make it, brother. Pretty damn. What do you? I don't need to fake nothing, man. Who are you talking to? I mean, you live it. You know, you live it. Yeah, I guess you're right, man. I just kept my mouth shut until I had something to say. <laughs> Um, no, that's pretty sweet, guys. We have uh, entertain. How long was the podcast that you saw, dude? It was a couple hours. I mean, it was a. T- I remember when we first started- had that idea too. They're like, you should, you guys should do a live podcast in an auditorium or something. I'm like, yeah. Right. I was proud of them. I was like, as far as go podcasting, you got people to for twelve hundred people to pay them thirty bucks each to listen to them do a podcast. Yeah, that's that's pretty sweet. That's the dream, right there. And he's picking the venue too. I mean, this is uh, Fort Collins is a college town. Well, you know what? I don't know. I mean, he's he's not really. Does he make any more uh, recent recent movies? Jay I mean, was in a... Zach and Miriam make a porno. In... Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, Zach it's... and Miriam make a porno was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was too, but they had some crazy stuff, man. It was pretty good. I thought he made one recent or something called like Red something or let's see here, Yoga Yoga Hosers is what he just came out with recently. <laughs> which by the title. <laughs> He admitted, he's like, I don't care if anybody likes it or not. He's Strange like, I... bruise to shit, man. Are you kidding me, Hoser? Take off, eh? Yoga Hosers, man. I'm, <laughs> just by the name, I will I will check that one out. Oh, Red State. That was the movie that um, Joe Rogan was recommending that says, don't tell anybody anything about it. Just right. go check it out. That's a 2011. So he's still kicking. He's yeah, got he's a lot there. Sure. James sure, he's reached critical mass, back. man. Once you can fill an auditorium with twelve hundred people to pay you thirty bucks, you reach critical mass. That's what I was just saying about when you why you a lot of people are stuck because dude, they're stuck because they got to be up at fucking seven in the morning to give the best energy of their day to somebody else, man. To develop somebody else's company or so, you know somebody else's uh, you know to build get, to buy somebody else's speedboat this summer. You know what I mean? <laughs> When it's nice if you uh, are able to work on yourself and your own passions, man. That's the one cool thing, or that is the, the biggest blessing that growing cannabis has given me, is I had a little bit of free time and a little bit of free money. Not free money, money that I earned. There's no such thing. Yeah, to, sling, no... to sling against the wall and could afford to lose. It wasn't like I was like, oh, my God, if this doesn't work out, I bought these bubble bags. If they don't work out, I won't make my mortgage. I buy these bubble bags if they're fucking awesome. Awesome. If they suck, they suck. You know, it turns out they were awesome. <laughs> I used to sell bubble bags for so much back in the day, man. When I was working retail, we'd sell the like five bag bubble bag set for like three hundred twenty bucks. Dude, I bought them for three hundred. You know in how Canada my... one time, and I was just like, dude, remember my wife looking at me like, "Are you nuts?" Talk dude? about markup on that shit, dude. How much does it cost to make a five bag bubble bag set? You know, sure, but it's knowledge, man. It's the you true. Pay, you pay for the knowledge, true. You know, they, in in anything. What you know? can I do for these? With these, yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, man. Remember, right. how much, remember how much swag we would throw out before bubble bags came out? There was nothing to do with your swag. You would go dump it where you dumped your lava rocks. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, we uh, let's get let's get. Um... You want to get David on the line, man? Is that it? Yeah, let's get David oh, on the line. On. I'm calling him Dave and learn I'm a little bit real. about what he's got growing on. I was going to cut into guys. I, we had a, a cool question on DudeGrows.com about can of butter storage, but I kind of want to hold off. We're supposed to have uh, another interview here with Jeff, the cannabis chef, and I think we might be... Uh, Didn't we talk about can of butter storage? 
No, we talked about weed storage. Oh, so, oh yeah, okay, two different man. things. Those are two different one things. One solidifies at cooler temperatures. One doesn't. Man, I got you. I'm going to guess that he's going to say freeze it. We haven't. You know? I'm going to hold on to that question about can of butter storage. I uh, don't know if it'll be on this show or actually next what's going on. So I just wanted to let you know that. But for now, enjoy uh, hanging out with Dave, if you will. And we'll be back with more Dude Grow Show. You know it. We got to talk about what's going on on our grows, yo. Yeah. Sounds good to me, dude. Be right back. Gonna overgrow this country. Gonna need a lot of recharge. Gonna overgrow this country. Gonna need me a lot of recharge. Gonna overgrow this country. Gonna need a lot of recharge. Gonna overgrow this country. Gonna need me a lot of recharge. It's microbes put in a can. Created by a man who takes life underground. Growing life the natural way. A little recharge every day. Keeps the pests and problems at bay. Gonna overgrow this country. Gonna need a lot of recharge. Gonna overgrow this country. Gonna need me a lot of recharge. Gonna overgrow this country. Gonna need a lot of recharge. Gonna overgrow this country. Gonna need me a lot of recharge. My purple Kush never smoked like this. Crushed it without a hitch. Still dreaming about them, but. A little recharge every day Keeps the pests and problems at bay The natural way will never fade Gonna overgrow this country Gonna need a lot of recharge Gonna overgrow this country Gonna need me a lot of recharge Gonna overgrow this country Gonna need a lot of recharge If we all plant a seed It won't be all right, so uh, pretty excited today. I actually am. Uh, I'm living the dream. Giddy, man. giddy. <laughs> so, man, I've been listening to. You know, I'm not. I, I, I could. Uh, I could smarten it up and say I've been reading these books, but I'm an audible guy. So I try to really learn about microbes. You know, I have this great micro product, and I try to learn why it is so great and why it works and wh- you know, where the magic comes from. It's still a little magic to me why recharge works so good. And so I'm trying to learn. So I, I caught, you know, I got a lot of micro books. Some of them are about, you know, the gut balance. A lot of them are about human microbes. Um, and then I caught this book, The Hidden Half of Nature, which is about microbes. And I mean, straight up uh, microbes in the soil, but then microbes in your gut. And then you start not being able to be able to tell the difference. It turns out we all, you know, you know it's, it's all being processed, uh, you know, the same. And so this is a, the book was uh, The Hidden Half of Nature by David Montgomery. And uh, thanks to the powers of the Internet, I actually called up or, or, or found David Montgomery. I won't say I stalked him, all right, but <laughs> I got him to come on the show, man. So, Dave, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? Excellent, man. Excellent. Do you prefer Dave or David? Or does it not matter? Well, you know, I, I go by either. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, some no people can be right? like that. They're like, oh, man, I'm already bothered. They're calling me you know, Matthew or instead of, you know, I got to tell you, although we're calling this guy at his office in Harvard. Okay. He seems like a Dave. <laughs> right, <all> right. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah. That, that is what most people call me. 
Excellent. Excellent, man. Now, you know, I was reading in the book, not to get too heavy, but, you know, you're a geologist, right? Yeah, I'm actually a geomorphologist, and that's the kind of geologist who studies topography. You know, the evolution of mountain ranges, what shapes rivers, you know, what makes the pools that you'll find salmon in in the northwest where, where I teach, um, and, you know, how, like, the Himalaya evolve, that kind of stuff. So, you know, the geology of the here and now, what shapes the, the surface topography is, is what my real specialty is. Yeah. So I'm sure when Scott said you were coming on, I was like, hmm, how does that tie into what you're doing now with the book and your passion for microbes and understanding all this, this jazz, you know, when you, when I hear that title geologist and things you were saying just now, um, yeah, it's like, hmm, really? So what's up with the uh, crossover into <laughs> microbiology and all that, all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, the microbiology is really interesting. Uh, and actually long ago I was very interested in biology, you know, back way in high school days, you know, many low those many years ago. And I got distracted in geology for quite a long time and, and love it. But, um, you know, this, this book, The Hidden Half of Nature, really grew out of uh, some realizations that I shared with my wife on the book, and who's a biologist. And when you look at this play, say, in soil, for example, uh, and how that helps uh, nourish plants and maintain plant health and gives them access to all the, the compounds and elements they need to make the phytochemicals that give them their unique sort of flavors and abilities, um, that's really where geology and biology start sort of cross on the line between one another. And the microbes are essentially the agents that really facilitate some of those processes. So this book, The Hidden Half, was really um, a, a truly collaborative effort um, with, with Anne Beclay, my wife, uh, who is a gardener. And it started by us trying to restore the, our yard in, uh, in North Seattle, where we... we uh, bought a house and peeled the lawn off and had completely dead dirt. There wasn't a single damn worm in the dirt. There's nothing living in it. And we wanted a garden. It was a little embarrassing for a geologist to realize he should have dug a soil pit in his yard to figure <laughs> right. out what he was buying. <laughs> you know? But, you know, it never crossed my mind doing that in, a, in an urban environment. And we, the more we got into looking at the way that it was that restoring the microbes to the soil was the key to rebuilding the fertility that eventually gave us the garden that, that Anne initially so desired and that I came to really share a love of when I started to realize what a really neat place this was once the lawn was gone and it was a lot more interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, we started to see the power of microbial life. We started to look into it, and then Anne had some health issues um, so some years into that that brought us into looking at the role of microbes in human health and frankly, we just got carried away looking into the microbial world. The science on it is exploding. It's really fascinating. And the stuff that we know now today about the role of microbes in plant health and human health is so far beyond and different than the stuff that, that Ann and I were taught in college back in Berkeley in the, in the, you know, in the 1980s. Yeah, it's crazy, a pretty small window here. Like the advancement has come like fast. Like still now, even we're kind of surprised we'll oh. run into people and cannabis growing and they're they're not familiar with this at all and they're like oh my yeah, gosh no, like you, you, now it's like it now it used to be you can grow this way and now we feel you have to grow this way you're not using microbes and things in your soil like what the heck that's a, that's yeah, an essential I mean, part of it well you're the first one yeah, the to explain has that, been exploding i mean you're the first one to actually quantifiably explain i you listen to chapter 14 in your book and you explain what's missing from you know, uh, food today, you know, from, from things that are grown and it starts making sense. Like 
when when we start talking about how many seeds or how you know how much volume uh, you know uh, how how much uh, biomass we'll just say is in whatever it is, whether it's a head of lettuce or you know a a, a big loaded uh, bush full of buds, you know what I mean, cannabis bush full of buds, man. Um, it's what's what you're doing is you're spreading that limited amount of resources that are in the soil very thin you know i mean that analogy you gave with the peanut butter and the cracker he, in his book he t- <laughs> talks about taking a, uh, a tablespoon of peanut butter you can spread it on a cracker and it's going to be pretty thick you can spread it on a piece of bread it's going to be pretty thin it's the same amount of peanut butter that peanut butter is your soil you know is your soil nutrition you can spread it thick or thin and it's going to affect the quality of the plant at the end the end result yes i am good that that analogy worked <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well um, but you know, you know the, but the science behind that, in terms of particularly like the crop, like sort of like uh, uh, wheat and corn and crops like that, that have been studied fairly extensively. Right. You know, the analogy works pretty well. You take, you can look at the amount of nutri- nutrition or, or uh, elements that are in the soil that are available to get into plants, and if you basically grow high yielding varieties without access to those, to, to the full complement of nutrients or enough nutrients. You're spreading them thin, just like on that cracker, as and on the, um, well, just like on the bread rather than the cracker. I get my own analogy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um. <laughs> we're always looking to grow great cannabis, you know, and 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 what it comes down to is we're really limited with our plant counts. A lot of times they'll say you can grow three plants or you can grow six plants. So people try to grow these big giant bushes, and somebody said to me a couple of years ago, "Oh, I really find that the bigger the bush I grow, it really, you know, the quality of of the the flowers really suffers." And I would just kind of put oh, that, yeah, put that in my head. And yeah, because that that would have a direct analogy to what people have seen in like wheat and corn yields in terms of the last fifty years. It would, I'm, I'm not, a, I don't know anyone who's actually studied it in cannabis, but it'd be interesting to know. And it sounds like you've got people who've been noticing that. I do, yeah. You know what else I'm I'm really interested in as far as you've talked about micronutrient deficiency, right? Yeah. You know, that's something where everybody's so, you know, and cannabis is like a, a you know, a mimic of, of big ag as well, I guess, where people are like, oh, I care about NPK. You know, that's what I care about. And, <laughs> you know, what's the NPK on that bottle? You know, and it's, right. it really does seem that I remember I went to, to uh, Jamaica for my honeymoon. And I remember talking about I was trying to show off and be like, oh, I grow this glowing green crypto in, you know, back in Florida. And they were like, oh, do you use that chemicals to grow that? And they were like, oh, I don't want it. They just made a face. No chemicals, you know. They would, go, <laughs> they would go get me some of this Jamaican, you know, outdoor Jamaican stuff that it didn't look that crazy good, but it tasted amazing and it made you feel just completely alive, man, you know. And I was, yeah, and I was thinking about how, like, you know, ours is all show, you know, it looks really good, but it feels like it's missing something, you know, and I've been trying to, that's where I think, you know, really good quality organic cannabis uh, is, it does have something that, you know, and that, that something is the micronutrients that it's picking up. Uh, I'm thinking that it's the microbes that are pulling these micronutrients or making them plant available, but I'd love to know what you think. You know, that makes a lot of sense to me that, that you one of the hypotheses we, we put forward and looked at in the hidden half of nature was about the, the role of soil microbes in delivering micronutrients to, to crops. And that if things are over fertilized, if they get plenty of N, P and K, but they don't have access to all the micronutrients they need, like, you know, the calcium, the, the, the iron, the zinc, the copper, I mean, things that they need in small amounts, but that are really important for making 
the phytochemicals, the plant chemicals that, that help make a part of their bodies, the secondary, what you call secondary plant metabolites, uh, which would be, you know, all the sort of specialized chemicals they make, of which, you know... Uh, uh, terpenes are, are, are in that category? Yeah, phenols, terpenes, all kinds of other uh, things. You know, and probably phenols, write that most down. Of the compound, probably <laughs> most of the compounds that you guys are interested in in your business right. uh, have, you know, need the elements of those micronutrients. Um, and in, in, in corn and wheat, it's like pretty well looked at that the, if you've got, or, e- or even in vegetables, I mean, it, it's across the agricultural spectrum over the last 50 years, the micronutrient concentration in food has dropped by 20 to 50%. In some, some studies, just even higher, but the, you know, you kind of average all the studies and you kind of go, oh yeah, you know, a third to almost half which means that you'd have to eat two tomatoes today, conventionally grown tomatoes today, to actually get the same micronutrient uh, nutrition as from eating one tomato back during the Second World War. So that's all attributed to farming practices, no, and the type of inputs. I mean, I can grow the same. If I want to grow the same tomato today, I mean, there's some genetic role play depending on my seed source and all that, as that was found back in the day in my nice organic living soil garden. I should be able to do that just fine, correct? Yeah, and so that there's there's sort of two elements there. There's one is the genetics, which variety you're growing, and some of the high yielding varieties, you know, sort of seeds that will give you a lot of uh, uh, seed biomass for for the for the cereal grains, right? Um, you know, or potentially buds for your guys' business. Um, you know, things that could yield sort of a lot of biomass in that. You're spreading the peanut butter on the bread rather than the cracker. You're you're thinning you it out. Yeah, you could be thinning that out. Um, and the other part of it is if you over-fertilize, it can actually harm the soil microbes that are the uh, – you can think of them as the agents, the miners that go out and get from the soil, things like phosphorus, things like the, like copper and zinc and, the, and iron. Right. Solubilize it, bring it back, trade it to the plants for the sugars that the plants push out of their roots uh, in the symbiotic exchange that happens in, in the rhizosphere, the root zone, the, the zone around the roots of a plant. Sure. So if you if you over fertilize and give the plants, uh, you know, too much of the macronutrients, the P and K, the things that really support uh-huh. big biomass growth. Right. They become couch potatoes, and then Ann and I call them couch potato crops in some of the articles that we've written because they, you know, they just hang out and they're not putting out the exudates to recruit the microbes that will go get them those specialized elements that they need to put the phytochemicals together to give them their distinctive, um, their distinctive properties. That's what I was like saying. It seems like there's no, nobody else knows exactly what these plants need to perform the best more than the micronutrients, right? If they have that relationship going on and if I'm following you right, well, the microbes, not the micronutrients, the microbes are going to deliver the micronutrients. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Because the plants put out exudates that tend as microbes. That... So in effect, they're recruiting their own partners. And so in that case, your analogy is like they know best who their partners are. Well, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's also room for thinking, though, about, you know, well, what are the kinds of microbes that could be added to a system that might boost particular properties of interest? And, you know, in the agricultural world, uh, you know, inoculating plants with microbes that could help fix nitrogen or, or scavenge uh, phosphorus so you could cut down on fertilizer use because that's expensive. 
So that's getting pretty um, specific, that, man. That's like what I was thinking. You're yeah. saying specific microbes might do this. Maybe we need to add these. I was wondering, I don't know if you know anything about this, if there's better food. So are there microbes that like me to feed them this kelp more than they like the molasses? Or do they maybe some of these microbes like some of my fish input into the soil? And I was wondering like, if I should be rotating my, like, my food source for microbes. Well, you know, I can't give you a definitive answer on that, but I can make something up. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, the de- I'm going you know, in my- an inert mix to start with, though, versus an established garden, established soil such as yourself. So I gotta, yeah. I gotta create all this—the food, the, the, you know, everything. Yeah. What we're trying to do. What, what, what we tend to see in general is that there's specific microbes that will be attracted to specific kinds of foods. Like if you use one of those things you were mentioning as opposed to another, you. A different mix of microbes. The thing that seems to be fairly robust in terms of maintaining plant health, from what I can tell, sort of peering into the microbiology literature, uh-huh. is that the, the more diverse the community of microbes in the soil, the sort of the, the more life and the, the richer that soil is, the more fertile it is, the better it is for maintaining plant health. So my suspicion is, is that if you either rotate or use sort of various sources of, of organic uh, of organic matter, because that's what the microbes will be breaking down. So your molasses, or your, or your kelp, or, or other forms, or even just like you know straw. Um, although that might break down a little too slowly for you guys. But the, the using different sources and maybe a variety might be the way to get the biggest sort of mix of microbes in the population. That then the plant and the microbial community interacting through their exudates and and what the microbes return to the plants can sort out what what the what's really going to work the best. Yeah. So now those microbes. When I think of microbes, I'm thinking and when it like something like mycorrhizae. It's almost like an inoculation, right? Where it's done early in you know the plants introduced to this uh, fungi, and then it's kind of it it, it uh, forms a symbiosis, and then it's kind of on from there, right? Yeah, yeah, and that can that can come either early or late in the plant life. Right, it, it is that base that basic process of with the mycorrhizae in terms of getting the two to start talking to each other, growing into each other, and sharing resources. And if it comes early in the plant's life, there's just less root mass for it to inoculate, so it's a little bit easier. That, that's the kind of the yeah, theory yeah, we yeah, go they, by. We exactly. inoculate our clones. But now, right? Then they grow. Then they grow together. <laughs> so what I'm thinking is now, though, I'm thinking of the word biofertilizer. I've been trying to learn a little bit more about biofertilizers. I have a product called Recharge. That's a, a lot of bacillus. Uh, tr- there's trichoderma, um, but uh, uh, and and mycorrhizae. But I really feel like uh, loading uh, the soil up or our soils up, especially when they're inert, with just a lot of bacillus that are you know nitrogen charged bacillus are filled with nitrogen is really doing something, almost like acting as a biofertilizer, just sinking a bunch of nitrogen into, into the soil. Uh, any thoughts on biofertilizers? Yeah, and we talk a bit about that in the book, um, but that the, you can think of uh, bacteria and fungi are both uh, relatively nutrient-rich in the sense that they concentrate the nutrients that other life forms need. And because they're living matter, they're going to have you know, the nitrogen and phosphorus for forming, you know, DNA and amino acids and all the sort of components of life. Um, and so you can think of them as essential little nutrient packets. And yeah, that so is the way I like you, to think of them. Yeah, if you breed a lot of them, if you get a bunch of them in your soil, as they die and turn over and other things eat them and excrete them, uh, you're basically introducing and cycling the nutrients that were in their bodies into the system. Um, some of them actually, you know, provide services to the plants that... 
nutrients. They're actually little, you can think of them as little offshore chemical factories for the plants <laughs> where, you know, they're pushing out, you know, the, the botanical equivalent of money through their roots, sugar out into the soil, and the, the microbes are taking it, consuming it, and in combining it with other things they take and producing metabolites, their waste products, that can actually be things like growth hormones for the plants. Um, you know, and again, I'm more mostly familiar with stuff from the agriculture, from the conventional agriculture literature. It's making so sense, no brother. It's made, what you're saying yeah, is making sense. That's what we're noticing. And yeah, and there's no reason to think that those kind of interactions are not happening in the crops you guys are interested in. Yeah, no, they are, and that's why you know we're we're sitting here playing with these microbe packages. You know, I have a, a formulator that's you know pretty much tells me here you go, but you don't really get the whole genius behind it. You know, he's not not cluing me into his lab work. And, uh, man, I just know this stuff works. And then I just scratch my head and try to explain, you know, try to reverse engineer why it works. And good luck. <laughs> it's complicated, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, is sort of true, I think, today in terms of looking at um, what's going on in the soil is we've started to realize that it's pretty complicated. You're looking at community ecology of these tiny invisible organisms, um, you know, which you can, you can tell apart mostly by you know, DNA sequencing the whole population of them, then you can sort of see who's there. But it's, we're not, you know, if you go take a random DNA sequence of a, of a fertile soil somewhere, most of what comes back are going to be species you don't know. Yeah, you said and nine out of we, ten are unknown, right, of these microbes? Something like, something like that. You know, so it's, we're, we're just started to see how their community structure and interactions are really important to plant health and, and again, human health as well when you look into that. Um, but, and we, we, we've got some insight into, into the importance of particular species, mostly the pathogens, the bad guys. Right. But, but in terms of the, the, the beneficial ones, it really seems to me at least and to Anne that the, it's the community dynamics and interactions that are really important for setting up the processes and properties that then benefit the health of, of plants and, and people. And it's a lot harder to, to sort of get in and really laser focus and go, oh, it's just this one microbe that you need when it's the community structure that's important. You're so of. right. That, that's what my yeah. formulator tells me also. He says, you know, <laughs> when I first started with them, I took the packet of, you know, the competitor's product and go, look at all the stuff they have in here. Why can't we have this much stuff in here? And he goes, it don't work like that. You got to find the ones that work well together. He goes, if you put yeah, put a yeah, you, you put a bunch of things together like that, you're going to sell a nice package, but uh, the symbiosis isn't there, man. They 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 compete, you know, for nutrition and whatnot, and it just doesn't work. It's kind of like that, the multivitamin thing. You know what I mean? Everybody gets that multivitamin, the Centrum with 50 different vitamins in there, but they're all locked up. That don't work, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that's. You can, and that's another way to look at thinking about microbes. And you mentioned sort of locked up. Yeah. Um, if you look at the bulk chemistry of most soils around the world, it's got what plants need to grow. But most of it's not available to the plants. It's locked up in the minerals. And that's where a geologist can talk about this stuff, right? Right. <laughs> um, and what the microbes are is you can think of them as little miners that will sort of help get the stuff out of the mineral uh, component of the soil and out of the, the organic matter, the decaying dead stuff that's in soils too, that's it's a reservoir of nutrients, and get that stuff out and put it back into biological circulation um, by making it soluble and therefore available to plants so plants can take it up. Um, 
and they're they're really the microbes are kind of the the back half of the workforce on the cycle of, on the grand cycle of life. They're the recyclers. Yeah, they, they were poking fun at me because I said I was smoking a joint, looking out. I, I live off by like a like a, a rock cropping or whatever, and I was just looking, saying I can get how a geologist. I was watching a rabbit just eat the grass. You know, and I was what, looking and seeing how, well, nobody's fertilizing these trees here, but they're bright green, you know, and there's things, you know, it's, it's Colorado in the winter and it's bright green and it's the microbes are delivering that. I'm like, but you start understanding the whole circle of it, how, uh, you know, the grass holds nutrition, the, the animal eats the nutrition, they process it and mix it up with some bacteria and fungi in their guts. The, the rabbit or the animals, they can actually move around. The tree is stuck in the ground, but the animal can move around. So so there's your little fertilizer factory right there. And uh, all of a sudden, it all starts making sense where the animals, the plants, the, the soil, the, you know, the, the fruits and, and grass as the kind of like the storage, you know, for nutritional storage. All these yep, things yep. start making sense and you start going, yeah, I get it, man. It is there is a, a big, you know, I feel like the Lion King should be playing, you know, circle of life. <laughs> but it starts making yeah, sense, yeah. you know. You can think of the microbes as they're the things that are helping the rocks break down right. and, and unlocking all that uh, the sort of the elements that will then become put together to make life. But it happens really slowly. I mean, rocks break down really slowly. But like that outcrop that you've been seeing, you could probably sit there for 10 years smoking many joints, and, and it'll all look <laughs> the same year after year. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, you can think of the plants and the animals like, like, you, like you are thinking about them as – essentially keeping those nutrients in play. Once you get them out of the rocks, then they go around and around and around and around, you know, between plants and animals and the soil and back again. Uh, and they, they stay in play in the great game of life until, you know, they get buried in the ocean. You know, if it gets into a stream and makes it down to the ocean, gets buried in the ocean, gets locked back up in the, in the geological cycle. Or you do um, something stupid like put them on your, on, you know, spread them out on your soil where there's no ground cover and let the wind blow them out into the ocean. Yeah, I mean, that shit does yeah, happen. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just found it really interesting. And then, so when I'm looking at this stuff saying, oh, that's how plants grow naturally, then I start feeling really stupid going, well, you know, I'm just drunk on chemistry over here going and buying an NP and K from some fucking laboratory and putting it on my plants and going, hey, look, guys, it's growing. Look, it's growing a model of a plant. This crystalline structure is growing, man. <laughs> and then I'm wondering why it don't taste like that good Jamaican weed. You know, and there's a huge difference what's inside. I'm building basically a shell. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're growing couch potato weed that way. That's what I'm talking about. So I've been on this quest for the past couple of years to try to build, you know, grow better weed. Be honestly, because it is medicine, the longer we've been doing this podcast, uh, the more people we know that really use this as, as a legitimate medicine, whether it's a painkiller or, uh, you know, appetite uh, stimulant, whatever, man. I am completely convinced there or anti-seizure, the, the cat's out of the bag as far as that goes so now i want to just help people grow complete medicine i want to get an understanding of it and and i want people to grow complete medicine man so i appreciate your your input with this brother hey, well no worries it's interesting it's interesting stuff and this whole relationship between microbes and the health of the soil the health of plants and the health of people is is all it's, it's a very interesting and exploding uh way of looking at things and um and I'm really glad to hear that that uh, narrator for the book is good. <laughs> want to listen rather than read can enjoy it. Oh, even my 12-year-old loves the word fecundity, man. So, I mean, that's just <laughs> three good words wrapped up in the one, brother. 
Oh, man. <laughs> and I still don't know what prescient means, but I'm glad that you do, okay? <laughs> Fair enough. How do you recommend, uh, I didn't know if you had a, a site you wanted to plug or like if you just tell people to kick, get your book on Amazon or do you have a preferred method if they want to check out The Hidden Half of Nature? Well, so there's a couple ways. You can, you can get it anywhere, probably anywhere books are sold. You know, if you like Amazon, go for Amazon. If you like your local bookstore, go to your local bookstore. But it's The Hidden Half of Nature, The Microbial Roots of Life and Health. And it's by me, David Montgomery, and Anne Bicclay. And um, we've got a website if you're interested in this kind of stuff and want to follow us on Twitter or look at our website. Our website is uh, dig, then the number two, grow, dig2grow.com. And our Twitter handle is the same thing, at dig2grow, at dig2grow. Um, and I've got another book coming out in May, actually, uh, called Growing a Revolution, which is about looking at how to apply these principles to um, to reform conventional agriculture and make it more environmentally friendly, sequester a lot of carbon, you know, grow enough food to feed the world, start helping to cool the planet and conserve biodiversity. Cause no more these, dust bowls. No more dust bowls and how to actually do it by trying to apply some of the principles that we lay out the foundation for in the hidden half. I went out and interviewed farmers around the world um, last year to try and figure out, okay, well, what's working? Um, and uh, there seem to be some pretty simple principles, simple ways to apply these that I think would probably work in your guys' business. Well, in that well. way, too, you're covering all angles. You can be like, you know, I kind of informed you with the hidden half of nature, gave you the information. But not only that. No, I'm going to help you fix now it, Now we're going to try and fix it. So if you don't, it's not your fault. I told you how. So perfect. Yeah. I don't like those guys who just yeah. bring you problems, man. You know, I can get those all day long. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, the challenge is how to actually figure out how to fix things. Hey. I think. I think... For these, for the problems of soil degradation and uh, soil fertility, they're totally fixable. They just require thinking differently and doing things differently, and the microbes are the key. Yeah, am I missing something with carbon sequestration and uh, biochar? You know, I did some working with biochar, and what that char is carbon that would be CO2, in the, that, that would be released into the air with decomposition, but instead you're trapping it in this crystalline structure. So, I mean, it is carbon. Yep. It's, uh, I'm pretty oh, interested yeah, in that much. as well. Well, very much so. There's a whole chapter. I think it's Chapter 9 in the new book that talks about, um, that talks about biochar, and, um, and there's a lot on carbon sequestration in the book through agricultural practices. And the, the other thing to think with, about with biochar is you can think about it as habitat for those microbes. Yeah. So if, there's, if you add... I heard somebody uh, call it the coral reef. That's what I love. The, the biochar is the coral yeah. reef for microbes. Yeah, no, that's a really good analogy. That that it's basically habitat, it's structure to the environment that allows them to thrive. It's very much like a reef. If there were any and... living reefs left, it would be a great analogy. Dude. Oh, so oh God, yeah. Jesus. Uh, well, after Scotty uh, gets through the next book here, I'm sure we'll get back in touch, try and get you back on the show and hang out a little bit. It's been great talking with you and, uh, yeah, learning all about this stuff and how much we really should use what nature has provided put simply yeah it sure does make you feel dumb when you're trying to do it without you know nature provides you this awesome way with microbes and then you're sitting there with plastic bottles being like oh no i can do better man it's like <laughs> it's like the uh like i was watching war games a couple of days ago and he turns on the the, the computer and it talks and it's like hello i am talking this is my voice <laughs> like that's nothing close to talking to a real person thank you man um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. No worries. A pleasure to talk to you guys and stay curious.
Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, Have brother. a good day. And keep on breaking it down for us, guys, man. We, we need guys like you, man. <laughs> All right. Spread the word about the books. We'll get people reading. Sure will. Thanks, man. Later. Take it All easy, right, Dave. Take care. That bud look what? Shit looks good. Shit's danker than a motherfucker. That shit look good? I mean, how's the smell? How's it taste? Is it grown right? It's grown straight up with recharge, homie. She. Look, listen. Grow up. Tell your crew I'm looking for one of them bad-ass purple buds. No doubt. The recharge buds. But if it ain't all that, you know if it ain't up to what the dude is. Scotty Real is growing. Oh, yeah. Already know what to do. If you got little buds, tell your boy, recharge it up. If you got root rot, tell them boys, recharge it up. If you got yellow leaves, then tell your boy, recharge it up. If you want to grow them big fat buds, then all you do, recharge it up. If you want to grow that stanky shit, then tell them, boys, recharge it up. Hey, y'all. It's Scotty Real here talking about Recharge. And if you don't know, Recharge is my shotgun blast of organic goodness that takes the guesswork out of growing great herb. What makes Recharge unlike any other product in the store is my soil biology. Each gram of Recharge has over 400 million CFU of living soil bacteria that act like billions of tiny little stomachs, voraciously eating and delivering nutrients to the plant, all nicely wrapped up in this delicious organic package. The results are serious dank flavor and crazy strong and vigorous plants. And if you don't believe me, just ask Courtney. Do this talk with this brother, guys. Just highlighting the good essence of Recharge. Now that's what I'm saying. So go on over to realgrowers.com and check out Recharge. You'll be glad you did. All right, we're back. A little bit more educated. Not just educated, man. Just uh, feel, it gets you feeling a little more passionate. Passionate for the uh, the soil, especially after I haven't listened to the whole audiobook yet, but getting starting to get into that hidden half of nature. Right. So that was Scotty on his best behavior, by the way. There you go. It's like if you know you meet the girlfriend's parents or something like that. You know, you're Robo <laughs> Scotty. If you didn't get the hint, pick up some recharge so you can be cool. <laughs> All right, so what's going on in our grows is what we're going to get into here. And uh, take it away, man. What do you have going on in your grow? Yeah, you know what, brother? It is just better to ask for forgiveness than for for permission, I'll say. So, um, man, I hooked up with my boy Straight Nugs. We went out and hung out last, uh, I think it was last Sunday. Just hung out and had a lunch together, Uh enjoyed it. And they brought me a couple cuts that I just couldn't resist, man. You know, it's my constitutional duty in Colorado. Duty. Uh, I did say duty. That was cool. But it's my constitutional duty to uh, um, to grow six plants in this. You know, six plants for me, six plants for my wife, even if she doesn't want me to, all right? Man? Yes. So, uh, yeah, I, put, I got some clones up, man, and went and positioned the five-by-nine tent, you know, nestled out of the way a little bit. And just, man, I got to do something in there. So I got six plants. They're in solo cups right now, but I think I am going to step them up into the hempies and... I don't know, man. I don't know if I should do anything a little different with them, you know? I mean, just for learning's sake. But I think I am just going to do the hempies for now. Do I've one been doing run. a little different, different. I've been doing some of the most aggressive pruning in flower I've ever done. And it, it was like, for a minute, I, I, you get that state of mind. And the first thing you think of, and I'm talking like three weeks in, uh, man, I'm cutting away too much. It's going to mess up my yields. And then I'm like, you know what? 
I don't care about my yields anymore, really. It's so true. I'm tr- experimenting with just you know the philosophy of getting more energy up to the top colas and less trim work and trimming at the end and see if it. I think it feels that it affects weight in a negative way. So it totally makes sense, man. What David was just saying, what Dave was just saying about the cracker thing. You know what I mean? You've only got a certain amount of soil nutrition. And you can either spread it super thin. You know, we've known yeah. this for years, man. That's why we cut off the little bottom buds, you know, because you don't want the nutrition going to those things. You want them going well, Yeah, and I got to the point now, like, I'm down there low in my garden where I'm looking at the, the part of the plant, probably the first more than a foot. It depends on how tall your plant is, right? My plants are probably four, and then the other one's, like, five foot tall. But my lower 18 inches... I'll see you see your main branch in your trunk, and then you see your main branching going out, like four, five, six of them maybe. Right. Um, and then you'll see the smaller, like pencil size, and this is all relevant to the size of the plant you're growing, but I'll see branches shooting off of those without even looking at where they're going, make it to canopy or not, I cut them away. Right. And some of them are pretty big. You'll get that one that's like, Two foot long, it made it did. It made it all the way to the top. It's getting light up at the top. Think about how far that nutrient's got to travel, man. But I, but it, it's, but that's not the main branch on that. That main branch, if you follow it up to the top, and you cut away a lot of that other shit that's still in your head, you're like, man, that's going to make some good flower. It might. It's going to be kind of fluffy, whatever. I, I want to get the energy there. It's crazy, like how much leaf material. I get a, a pile of man taking off a plant. I tried to spread it out. I know the captain said he only does it. He did it. I mean, don't quote me. I thought he said he did it like a month into bloom, one right. time heavy. I try to do it once every once every week, not heavy, but like a little bit. You know, like a deer's coming by and munching on my plants. Right. And I'm hoping they're putting out a good stress response to it too, to help in flower production, etc. I'm not positive on that, but picture it might be. Anyway, what were you talking about? I don't know. Something about in your garden, hempies. Mm-hmm. Doing something different. <laughs> Anyways, just playing around with it. Like I said, I was uh, pretty inspired by you know all this organic talk to try to make some better tasting cannabis, especially even going back to the last uh, cup that we had, the DGC cup we had. Um, man, that, it was all really good organic tasting weed that won. Not all of it. Well, most of it was. I mean, I guess, yeah, we had the lemon G, um, which I don't think Moby Dill grows 100%. Yeah, no, I think he did on that. I think he might have even used general organics, which isn't 100% organic, but we'll just double check with them. We'll yeah, them. I don't know. I, you could just really taste the flavor. And now I'm starting to learn about, you know, micronutrients being processed and whatnot and, and just being able to still grow a big giant bud without those micronutrients. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, just makes you scratch your head and think, man. So I'm growing this as medicine for myself. You know, there's no commercial commerciality about it so if you're going for somebody else you'd probably be all up in there phospho load imichloroprid avid oh right? yeah, yeah man dude yeah. you spray eagle 20 on them right you know just so it doesn't mildew in the bag man <laughs> <laughs> no who knows dude when you when you are i mean that's sometimes you got to go that way man that's human nature you know when it's staying at home for your, you know for yourself for your family is sometimes when you do look and look a little deeper, no? It is a beautiful thing when you just have to water your plant, water, and that's it, and it feeds everything it needs from its soil. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect to get to that point, man, to a full super soil. I do expect to have to keep on adding some type of inputs to it. There's just not enough volume. I think you do that, like, true outdoor weed is getting a big, giant root mass, man, and it's getting, you know, you're using a ton of soil for that. 
Maybe if you did raised yeah. beds or something. Raised beds or, Ooh, raised beds or 40 and gallon planters or something. something. Like you're going to need a tremendous amount of, uh, of soil volume, in my opinion, if you're going to be, you know, or put it this way. I think if you're going to do a super soil, the, the bigger is better. The oh, more always. volume is better. Always. Yeah. Ooh, supers. I guess you're getting excited about the raised beds. Ooh. Eh, playing around, man. I'm excited to uh, be able to grow and to have all this interesting, you know, all this knowledge around me and just trying to make sense of it, you know? Yeah. No, that's cool. So what do you, I mean, you're mainly going to change up. What was the, I didn't know if I got the clear answer there. I'm just, oh, I'm just growing again, man. You realized like two weeks ago I wasn't even allowed to grow. You know, Mrs. Real was like, I don't know. And now I'm just like, she goes, I, so I see you're growing again. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I'm just go ahead and do it. You just got to go ahead and do it. It's dude. one of those things. Oh, she came in while I was out there and was like, oh, I guess I wasn't supposed to see these. Like, <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even know those were there. I'm glad you saw them while company is here, okay? Yes. This trick, man. You just drop the, drop the hammer when the company's there so you can't get in too much trouble. Anything else happening? That's it? Just got some plants rocking? Yeah, or I think some... that's it. I don't remember. Did I write something interesting down? No, I, I can missed, take it man? away then. How many uses do we have for a 15-minute tab timer? That's the timer, guys, out there that has oh, I fucking how many hate tabs. those things, man. How we many tabs in a 24-hour cycle? Break down the math. Four per well, hour. 15. Four times 24. 102. Is that right? There's 12. There should be 48 tabs. In a 24-hour cycle? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I guess there'd be 96 tabs. Four right? times 24, correct? Four tabs per hour. I know the answer is 96, all right? They're in my earpiece. Okay, cool. Doing math in my I earpiece. said 102. Fair enough. We were close, close. Jeez. Anyway, you push one of these little tabs down. Very popular, cheap timer. You've seen them out there. They have, some of them have the dual outlets, one on either side. They can run up to 15 amps. If you run up to straight up to 15 amps or too long, they start to turn a little brown. They can't the white. run up to 15 amps. No way. Yeah, a lot of those, I mean, double-check your specific timer, but I have 15-minute tab timers that run up to 15 amps. Mm, Pretty sure. Nah, nah, they're the wimpy ones, man. The 15-minute tab timers don't even have a ground in them. I've they're seen the one of those ones. melt before. They'll melt. That's what no, I'm No, mine to tell has uh, dual-grounded outlets on it, man. Must be a badass one. Mm, and you're talking, it's got the gray wheel of things that you push in. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, so why you got to avoid those is because there's too many options to push one of those um one of those tabs in halfway. Well, people like those <laughs> people like those for things where you might want to turn something on very frequently. So if you have like a CO2 uh uh, just just a CO2 tank. You Maybe you plug that in. You say, okay, I know in my tent that if I run this thing for a 15-minute, 15, 15 minutes. Yeah, 15 and off. Then, I've done that many times. Yeah, and then so one tab plus pressed in, two tabs pulled pushed out or something like that. Because let's be honest, if, if your CO2 runs you know, for you know 45 minutes instead of 15 minutes, it doesn't destroy everything, you know? But when you have a light, and a lot of people will hook the lights up to those kind of timers. Then they accidentally press the tab in a little bit too much. And then at 2.33 in the morning, just like you were talking, the light comes on for 15 minutes, just enough to fuck everything up. <laughs> no, and then when you go to reset it, you have to push all of them down and then pull them back up to, for the right timing. If you trigger one of them, you have to reset the whole thing or it can mess so. up. Not the one I'm talking about. No? Uh-uh. Well, I, and mine did turn that nice... Uh, tannish hue like it's still like i don't know if it's just from getting old or it's like too much electricity i usually use them for low amperage applications like fans one for me sure i have a fan that kicks on 
um, that is uh, just an oscillating little fan to put a breeze on the ladies. Right. Down in the nursery. Ooh, this sounds mission critical, man. When it's on, it, uh, you know, definitely... It's not super rough on them, but they're, they're it's strengthening the stems. It's pushing them over a little bit. It's, right. it's a strong enough fan where I don't want it to do that all the time. So I use that 15-minute timer for a fan. Perfect application, 15 minutes on, for 15 something minutes you really, off. Okay. Just like it's in nature, it's not always super windy. And if I leave it on all the time, it mm. tends to dry them out a little too quick through transpiration. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so, perfect example. But I'm just saying, don't use those things. I'm going to say mission critical. They should not be mission critical, man. Not for Preferably not for lighting. CO2 injection... Isn't anything detrimental if it goes too long or too, I mean, it could blow your tank right. or whatever, but. Let's talk about two different kinds of timers real quick, man, because it's everybody, whether you're just starting as a, in a grow or you're an expert, you, we all need timers, man. If you get the, there's two different theories of timers. So one is um, the power is running through the mechanism itself. So you plug that into the wall, the power is running through the timer itself, and mm-hmm. that, that's like uh, most of the, just the small timers that you buy at the, at, the, at the grocery store or anything like that. Problem with those is if you run 15 amps or you know whatever, say you run uh, 9.5 amps, one 1,000 watt through them, they're running, there's a total ton of power running through them all the time, and it's a cheap 10 or $15 timer. It's not designed to have a, that type of load on it all the time. I mean, so they end up now hold on, you could run, so I'm over, I checked out on Hydroform, the 15 minute dual outlet timer mm-hmm. for $12.95 right. is 15 amps, by the way. You've seen them, it's just their dual outlet timer or whatever. Right. And but good luck running 15 amps through that. It's going to melt. If you run 15 amps through that, you're going to, I actually did it. I, I'm not going to, I'm going to run two 600s off it, dude. I'm only going to run. 12, 13 amps. Yeah, off and of I'm it. telling you, it's going to fuck up on you, man. It's <laughs> I feel like it's, if you were running a heater for 20 minutes out of an hour or something like that, it could it would be a good for that. But the heater still, all the what I'm trying to say is all the energy of the heater has to go through that timer. That's different. That's why those power boxes became popular. When you get like those, uh, what are they called again? You know, the light controllers and things like that. That's where they become different. Those none of the power is running through the timing mechanism. No, I I agree. I mean, all it, those are is, is called a it's called a um, contactor, and all the timer does is just engage the contactor or release the contactor. That's something where if you're really serious about gardening and you're serious about not catching shit on fire, because that's your <laughs> fire point right there too, man. The, oh, those things two just timers. melt first. What I did right. now, look, you can do even Hydrofarm is advertising melty. it as a lighting. Timer. You don't want to try and max out the amperage on any timer, and it's safer to use a, a better style timer where the power isn't running through it, and your timer is really just a trigger timer. It's really not used. It's used to trigger a, a proper device for your lighting, like a right. lighting controller. If you're just running one four hundred, I'll give one of these an approval, man. One four hundred, yeah. One one thousand, even one six hundred, man. Six point five amps through a fifteen amp timer. I'm fine with. Granted, nine point four amps for a thousand watt down a one thousand watt timer. I'm telling you, I've I've done it and I've come back and the timer is seized where it won't turn. Um, whatever time it was stuck on when it melted, yeah, that's when it was stuck on. And <laughs> if I was in flower and I'm fucked, man. No, you you, you want to try and on your main lighting controls and timers, especially if you're ending up running one, like more than one light, two lights, three lights. They're not that expensive. The holdup for some people is the lack of knowledge in electrical installation, living right. in prohibition land, and that really you know people get forced into doing their own work because nobody's coming in their house to help them. But, extension uh, cord Johnny, dude, extension cords are like be careful of those. I remember my first grow. 
I had, uh, and the panel in this house was old, and I had extension cords, three different extension cords running through the crawl space to different, you know, yeah. uh, breakers on the panel from different, and then when I finally got in the crawl space to inspect these after a couple years of them running, one was like brown, mm. like just looked like Smells shit. like burning. Like, damn, man, I'm glad it didn't cause any issues over time. That's you, how that shit, and that's how growers get a bad rap then, you know, oh, you burnt down my house. You got to get that 12-gauge husky extension cord that they at, have at Home but, Depot. And now you start getting into those things, and they're expensive as fuck. And guess what, man? I had one of those big expensive extension cords, and it still burned out because it was pulling, what, nine and a half amps constantly, 18 hours a day, 24 hours a day. They're just not meant for that, man. No. You know, it's not one extension cord. That's when you get properly sized wire from your box, man. But a 15-minute timer should be in your backup box. You know, maybe your main lighting timer breaks, maybe a a timer for a pump. The reason some people don't get these other timers, like a cycle stat timer. I have mm-hmm. one of those I don't use right now as a backup for whatever. Cycle stat timers are beautiful, but they end up like being at least 70 to 100 bucks. That cycle stat timer with a day and night sensor on it gives you infinite amount of on and off. So you want it on for two seconds, off for two hours, whatever you want, you can do with those. Um, but like I said, the reason people end up getting more the less expensive timers is because they're twelve ninety five. Yeah, but ju- all I'm saying is just don't load them with power. They're great for things if you dual want- outlet power strip off each side, six thousands <laughs> on each side of that bitch. Just remember, no matter what you do, it's all coming through that that timer with the plastic gears and yeah, easy to melt. So. I uh, heard a good advice. Lastly, but not least, I'm curious what people would know about. Uh, colder night temps, you know, like I said, I can get down if I want it into the low 50s, sometimes even upper 40s, depending if I'm in the right time of flowering right. in my outdoor room because it's cold in my garage right now, so that allows me to have my room be cool or have very high differentials um, in day and night. Somebody had talked about an article, one of the potential negatives of that was potentially pr- producing a hermaphrodite or something with an extreme day and night uh, temperature Stretch, I mean, which I've never heard that, of. That's a stress. And I've never had... Hermaphrodite is a, a symptom of stress. stress. You know? I've stress. heard of them hermying next, if they're next to like a heater or some type of heat output. Huh. That they well, can hermy a little easier. I don't. I haven't seen that stress or any of that. My question was on you know pest management. If I have bugs, I can only assume having those really cold night temperatures kind of messes. I don't know if they just go to sleep. I've got spider mites hanging out. And it gets down to fifty something or forty eight. They're not du- they're not replicating. Yeah, it slows you know, their reproduction. So what do they just go like? They're just finding a place to chill. They're probably not even crawling around. Or yeah, okay, yes. But as soon do as they replicate warm- at night anyway? Though there's a de- detailed pest question: Do oh, spider man. mites make out at nighttime? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, but uh, do they need to? They don't need to. They just. Don't they just pop eggs out the right? Are they asexual? Man? I thought they were. They just lay eggs at a lot slower rate with mm. colder temperatures. Yeah, that's I've seen the chart. There's a chart that's just like a spider mite at 65 degrees will lay you know, 40 eggs. At 75 degrees, it'll lay 200 eggs. At 85 degrees, it'll lay like 11,000 eggs. And at 9,000, I mean, it's you know, it's like crazy how you get to 90 degrees and 40 eggs becomes thousands. It's on an exponential curve. Yeah, as temperature increases. Yeah, that's what we've talked many times. If you have have the, the uh, environmental controls to lower the temperature of your garden while battering, battling any pests. It usually helps out. 
But, but that's uh, because just what you said. I didn't, sorry, I cut you off. Mm-hmm. I guess I meant to. But um, just what you said, man, it slows down the reproductive rate of the spider mites. Well, that's this biology right there. If it's slowing down the the rate of movement, uh, you know, of a living organism because of temperature, wouldn't you think it'd be slowing down your you know rate of production, photosynthesis? Oh, it's as well? gonna slow down the plants too. But yeah, I that's mean, what we're I'm addressing thinking, yeah. the uh, the negative issue. And if you if you do this to your garden, like I always say, if you have a major stress, slow down your plants. Sometimes you need to add days to your flowering counter. Don't think, oh, well, if you went, I've gone five days before with the russet mites where I didn't let my garden get much up above 65. And I was like, man, I'm going to really, I just chalk these days off my production counter. Right. It didn't seem like the plants did too much during that. But uh, interesting stuff, man. Weird, wacky, wonderful stuff. Weird, wacky, and wonderful well, I don't think I have too much else for today's show. Other than I gotta tell you, man, that your Christmas T-shirt pseudo sweater is worth the ten dollar membership price right there, buddy. Go ahead oh, and stand yeah, gonna, up so we can see that. I so got what, a nice. I'll uh, get up on the camera here. So just so they're doing it right, just so, so I know, it's the reindeers. And like all the ones up top are doing it too. Yeah, it's a bunch of reindeer style instead of doggy style on my shirt. <laughs> But you can't tell it's incognito, you know? Right. I just walked around the uh, corporate offices and just to see if anybody noticed. And, and they, they did. Uh, they just all think I'm wearing a cool Christmas shirt. <laughs> anyway. A Christmas shirt, let's just say. This week in Cannabis Friday, and uh, we'll be hanging out with you guys. Hope you stay high and uh, remember to listen to or read your choice, The Hidden Half of Nature. Hey, I David will tell you, Montgomery. Uh, chapter six and fourteen. You know, I, I just got them on. I got it on the Audible book, but man, it's a couple hours, dude. You'll understand microbes and understand organic production if you if you'll have a listen, man. It really did change the way I think about uh, the way my food is produced and the way my cannabis is produced. Hells yeah! All right, I'm out of here. Speaking of cannabis, I get to work on the. Uh... My current buzz, actually. Yeah, I can't feel my weed anymore. Exactly. (laughs) Peace out, guys. Take her easy, dude.